Sans Pants Radio, Australia's least coherent podcast network. Hey, what's up? It's Thomas Nicholas, uh, also known as Kevin from American Pie. And when I'm not going the growl, which I think is better known as the tongue tornado, I'm listening to the total reboot with Cam and Alexi. Students and alumni of the 2021 class of Total Reboot Screen Agents Edition. It is our privilege to speak to you today as graduates, people about to be sent off into the world ahead of them. Mm. I'm joined by valedictorian Cameron James today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be valedictorian. And uh, I know the yearbook hasn't come out yet, but I have a feeling... I'm going to be voted most likely to be cool. Oh, wow. And I've been voted most likely to secede from society and start my own micronation. Yeah, and I'd love to visit that micronation someday. What a dream come true. Well, it will be Alexi Toliopoulos as the president of not just the fan club of Donnie Darko, but (laughs) president of his own micronation. Before we dive too deep into our recap and our wrap-up of this Screen Ages miniseries, I just want to quickly say that you becoming a huge Donnie Darko fan... (laughs) was the twist I never saw coming in this miniseries. I did not either. I really thought when you pitched it, I was like, okay, great. I can at least be funny for an hour making fun of this movie I despise. (laughs) (laughs) And I was really looking forward to it. And I feel like I stole something from myself loving it so much. (laughs) It was equally as funny watching you gush about it and get like a little bit teary talking about it. It was very, (laughs) it, it was very funny. (laughs) <laughs> what a dream this has been so much fun doing this mini series i'm sad it's over me too you know but you know don't be sad it's over be sad that it happened at all <laughs> <laughs> we are forced to graduate you can't live in screen ages mini series forever you have to exactly. finish you have to move on but you learn some lessons and I think, I think we've learned a little bit. I mean, we started this miniseries looking forward and thinking, what are we going to learn about the teenager on mm-hmm. screen? And I think maybe, I think I've learned a fair bit about it. And in a surprising way, considering we watched a, a gamut of genres here, it wasn't just teen comedies. It was dramas, fantasy. We lent into horror a little bit with Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. Um I think I've learned a little bit about how it's most successfully portrayed that era in your life. What about you? I think so too. I think it's been a really interesting investigation because I think, you know, we talked early on about teen films being like this kind of amorphous thing that uh, audiences connect to because there's like an inherent sense of nostalgia to them. Mm. And because like film is like such an empathetic art form, And it's like how we get those resonant feelings from the screen is like seeing things that we recognize. And so I think like nostalgia is like kind of intrinsically linked to cinema in a Mm -hmm. way because of that. And I don't think there's like a breed of film that's more, that has that feeling as potent as the teen film because it really is like capturing this universal thing that people have gone through, which is like adolescence and growing up that idea of coming of age. And I think because there's like a specificity to the teen film where Mm. it like captures that period of your life going through high school or going through those changes bodily and otherwise Mm, good spiritually perhaps as well. Um, It like, (laughs) I think it captures the imagination in a really, really resonant way. And I think my understanding of those, like, ideas of what even cinema is as, like, that empathy machine have even, like, strengthened. And, like, my resolve has boldened when it comes to my love of film just by doing this miniseries with you. Well, it's funny you talk about how it's an inherently nostalgic medium. And I, I agree. We started with Dazed and Confused. And you and I talked at length about how we didn't even experience this era of Mm. life, 
yet we can't help but apply our own nostalgia to it. Oh, absolutely. One of my little private missions was I wanted to wait until we got to films like 8th Grade or Booksmart, which are modern or contemporary films, and I wanted to see if I still felt nostalgic even Mm. though this comes after my own high school experience. And I did because you can't help it. Any tiny little moment about of tension or romantic drama or, Mm. you know, uh, friendship fights or anything like that. You can't help but apply your own memory to it. And I even think that for kids who see these films, like a kid who is 17 and Mm. sees Booksmart, they still get nostalgic for like what happened six months ago when they're watching Absolutely. it. They're like, yeah. oh God, I remember six months ago <laughs> when we were wondering whether we were going to get into uni or whatever the fuck. Like, I don't think you can help it. You just, film by its very nature makes you reflect on your own life. Absolutely. And I think like that's been the interesting thing about these conversations because we've been talking to each other on the record, on the pods, about films that we love and films that we are interested in for what, like five years, basically? Yeah, probably. And I think doing this miniseries is probably the most we've also talked about what our own lives were like as well and like actually sharing real memories. And I think that's just like what is the, like why this is such a beloved type of film. I agree. Yeah, that's very true. You can't help it. You see like a party and... Super bad, and then you immediately start remembering parties that you went to and wanting mm. to tell a story about a guy who fell over or whatever the fuck. <laughs> you can't help yeah. it. It's just there's something about this genre that makes you, I don't know, take stock of like the crazy, the drama, the excitement, all the things that happen when you were, I guess, bubbling with hormones and full <laughs> to the brim of spunk and vigor. <laughs> Yes, the most vivacious period for you and your body, organs, internal and external in your lifetime ever. And it's captured on film. And I think that's one of the other things we've talked about so much is that the idea of like heightened stakes in Mm. these teen films, like it's maybe like, you know, the reality is the worst that's going to happen is this kid's going to get freaking detention. They're going to lose their Saturday afternoon. They're going to get suspended or get in trouble with their parents. Or maybe at the worst, the popo will get PO'd with them. Mm. But, you know, the stakes are not live or die. But when you're in that time period in your life, it's your entire existence. It's your whole world when you're a teenager. And the yeah. stakes are so high for you. They do feel life or death. They, like, you know, being cool or being popular is so important to Thank you when you. you're a teenager. Thank you. Uh, to, and to me too, okay? I, I you know, I, I, I dream of being a cool kid. You will be, man. I know you will. Oh man, hopefully after graduation I can find myself I in podcast be- <laughs> university. You can reinvent yourself. <laughs> you see me next week, the episode comes out, Lexi Tolly is on the podcast. <laughs> Lex Tolios. <laughs> a cooler name. I'm wearing a leather jacket on the picture. I kept thinking, um, with regards to like the heightened stakes of a teen mm. movie, I kept thinking that's the main the main takeaway that I've had from this series is that whenever I whenever I think a, a teen is portrayed accurately or at least emotionally accurately in this series, it's someone who it's someone who is like a a, a roller coaster of emotions. Mm. Every single one of them that I've connected to has that in common. There's someone who can be extremely like apathetic one second and then incredibly emotional the next they can be like engaged with their friends they can be distant from their parents it's this it's this emotional chaos that i think is the at the truth or at the core of a teenager and you see it done so well in a lot of these films we talked about i think eighth grade was the one for me that really hammered that home for me that Mm. you, you kind of see for the first time that this is a character who is so desperate to be loved by her peers mm. yet cannot stand the love of her father. Yeah. And that's just, that's just like that's what it's being a teenager is. It's just that roller coaster of like I want love but not that love. 
Yeah. Not from you. It makes yeah. me embarrassed that you love me this much, dude. Yeah, I want acceptance, Shit. but also I want to be individual. When you say I'm cool, I think that you're lame. So therefore, if you think I'm cool, I must be fucking lame. I don't want <laughs> Stacy to think I'm freaking cool at school, okay? <laughs> so chill out. I want you to think I'm a disappointment. That way I feel better about myself. And you see that type of character pop up all the way through this miniseries, all the way mm. through to Superbad, all the way through to Booksmart. And I think that's the main thing I took away from it. That, to me, is a screenager. Just Absolutely. heightened... Roller coaster emotions flipping and flopping all over the spectrum for a whole goddamn movie. And I think tone is really interesting there. Like, there, we really enjoyed it when there was like this elevated tone, whether it is cinematically, dramatically, or at times even in something like Rumblefish, kind of like operatically. And mm. I think that is kind of like. Or especially in something like Twilight, where it like takes metaphor uh, for like teen hormones and teen sexuality, and really heightens that melodrama to being something like completely different to anything else that we covered. And I think that there's something really honest in the way that teen films capture a broadness and escalation in tone compared yeah. to like it doesn't feel like it is you know something like. A movie that we talked about on a Patreon episode, something like Sin City, where you are like <laughs> heightening and escalating tone in a noir sense to like something that is completely out there and loses all naturalism and it feels kind of manufactured. Maybe that's not the best example to use, but you know, you lose any sense of reality from it. But I think with the teen film, there's something about like that elevation that allows something like Donnie Darko to be so pretentious because it is speaking a pretentious language to teenagers in a way that they're going to be able to ingest it. That I think is really sincere and really noble. And I think like really, uh, like that's just something that I've really like latched onto this is like that idea of heightened tone, speaking a truth to people in a way that they can really understand. Into the direct audience. Let's step through the films that we did again. I just want to refresh my memory a little bit. So, Dazed and Confused was the first one that we did, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I still think it's it's forever going to be one of my favorite films of, of all time. But I don't think, you know, I, after we've come through this journey, I don't think I relate to any of the characters in this film in a way that I found that I did later on in this miniseries. Mm. I think they're all cool. Yes. And I think they're all great actors. And I I relate to like the vibe of hanging out and being a bit aimless. But all the characters in this movie feel like freaking adults already, basically. Mm. Maybe Mitch Kramer is the one that I can relate to the most. I think it's also like, it, it makes me feel nostalgic for that time when I was hanging out with my best friends all the time. And we would it would always be assumed that Friday night or Saturday night we're doing something all together. Like it reminded, it, I feel that nostalgia for that. And I feel like the connection to that group. And I can see like some of those group members representing some of my friends. But I think you're right because it doesn't have like a clear protagonist like mm. that leads it, that goes really directly through that idea of like a coming of age or a rite of passage. It's hard to just go like, oh, that was me there. Oh, that's me. You can kind of see bits of yourself in it or, you know, I think particularly Mm. the Mitch character because he's the youngest and he's dragged out on this night. I can put myself in his shoes. But then it's like I'm looking at Ben Affleck. I'm looking at Matthew McConaughey. I'm looking at Jason London and I'm like, these guys all feel like freaking grownups. They don't feel like teenagers to me. Yeah, I think so. I, I think um, there's no a movie that's more immersive than this, though, at like kind of soaking in that time period, that past, and also just like having those details that feel very specific that kind of like just bring you back in. Like I always remember like the lockers that have pictures of like Muhammad Ali and mm. stuff that just go, oh, wow, that that reminds me of like the things that I was so passionate about and wanted to show everyone that I loved to express who I am. Yeah. And I think it's just like little details like that that make like Linklater's film so so potent and so enduring. But I think there's that's the example that I always go to is like dazed and confused for that. Yeah, absolutely. But when it comes to like emotional connection, eighth grade, which we did next, um, I was surprised how much I 
felt during this film mm-hmm. because I remember being that age and 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 just constantly putting the fucking cork in the bottle of my feelings. Yeah. And trying so hard to not let any of it come out. And that's sort of what this character is going through in eighth grade. It's just hard to watch at times. Yeah. I think that there's something that they really get to in that film that Bo Burnham like captures is like, I actually don't remember that much about being that age. Like I've got a few scant memories, maybe some embarrassing things that come to mind or like, oh yeah, that one time I went to the city with a friend. I'm like, okay, but what hmm. What do we do there? I don't remember it. But I remember the feelings and I think it conveys those feelings really in a very interesting cinematic way, like how we talked about the way that the film uses music, the way that the film uses its like movement in the camera to express these like feelings of anxiety that are just like inescapable mm. when you're that age and you're that freaking weird because everyone is weird when that age because they don't have an identity yet. Oh God, yeah, I know. Just the pool party sequence. I think I'll I'll always carry that with me. That whole sequence and the feelings that it evoked. The moment that Bo Burnham turns it into a horror movie is mm. so fucking clever and cool yeah. and also so accurate to my own memories of going to a fucking pool party when I was that age. And just, <laughs> you're so self-conscious. You're like, you're taking your clothes off in front of these people yeah. that you've only known for a year and a bit. And you're like, Jesus Christ, oh God, I'm just like in, <laughs> I'm going to be all wet and vulnerable in a pool with these, like there's girls here. What the fuck? Are going to see my body hairs get wet? Are yeah. going to see my new little body hairs get wet? No. It's so strange. It's such a bizarre feeling and one that really jumped out at me this time around. Yeah, and the next movie we covered is probably, I would say, like, up there with the most iconic films in the teen movie canon. Mm. If not, it might even be the most, like, known teen movie. We, of course, discussed uh, from the enduring artist, the enduring legacy of John Hughes, Mm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, and this movie taught us that it's cool to have money, Mm -hmm. it's cool to be a capitalist, and it's cool to be called Cameron. <laughs> All lessons that I hope to put into my own life one day as well. <laughs> I mean, this movie is just pure entertainment. I said it at the time. It's an adventure film. It doesn't mm-hmm. really feel like a teen film. The closest it comes to me are like Cameron's ennui or his like depression, his anxiety, yeah. which I think was something that surprised both of us in this film. Mm. But the character of Ferris is fucking Bugs Money. He's not real he doesn't feel like a real teenager exactly and i gotta say the thing that's really stuck with me throughout this whole mini series is that scene at the art gallery i think that is some really powerful moving cinema and i've watched that like a clip of that scene probably every week since we recorded that episode that's the bit that stuck with me too and it uh made me surprisingly emotional hearing john hughes talk about it and you know his his meaning behind it I mean, yeah, that's that's the most teenage moment in the film and it's one that I fucking relate to. Remember being like 15, 16 and just being like, do I fucking exist? Like, yeah. would I would, would I matter? If I'm not here, would anyone notice? That's That's what Cameron's going through there and it's something that I think everyone can relate to at some point. Absolutely. Next up, we did Rumblefish, which to me is that moment from Ferris Bueller. Me staring at Art <laughs> going like, Holy shit, what is the existence of man? What am I? Yeah, Rumblefish is that moment for 90 minutes. <laughs> I, I absolutely adore this movie, and it was one that I kind of brought up to you. I've since become more obsessed with it. I bought the record on vinyl. I bought a vintage poster from the 1980s, and I wanted to get your thoughts once again. Like, How do you feel about Rumblefish now that it's in the rear window? I, I think it's going to be one that I'm going to rewatch every year or so. It's It sort of became... It's stuck in my head a little bit in a similar way to you. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about Mickey Rourke's performance. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about the, the pet shop scene with the fish, the final moments of it. Like, there are just images that stuck in my head that I think, mm. you know, I mean, it's fucking Francis Ford Coppola. He's like the king of the image. And he'll, yeah. he just picks a nice poetic image and puts it in your head forever and you can't shake it. And I think, uh, I, I, think I really liked it. I was surprised. Absolutely. 
What do we have next, Cameron? I mean, next up, we spoke to a freaking movie star. We spoke oh my to gosh. Uh, we spoke to Ioni Sky about say mm-hmm. anything and about other stuff too. We talked about other movies and TV shows that she'd been in. Her own reflections of being a teenager in California. That was so much fun. I mean, it was a yeah. new thing for us to do to do an interview like that, and uh, I want to do more of them. I think so too. Hopefully, in further miniseries, we get to do that. But I got to say as well, Say Anything might be the very best film that we covered in this miniseries. It is one of my all-time favorites. And I think like it is so... Like there's so much energy in it. The chemistry between her and John Cusack in that film is absolutely like all-timer. Oh, we love the sack. We love John Cusack. I hope to get into the Cusack one day. That's what I'm really hoping to I would love to get into the sack with John. And that's a series that we're planning to do, okay? We're <laughs> going to try and fly John Cusack over. That's trying to fuck John Cusack. <laughs> we're going to try and fuck him, okay, guys? <laughs> it's our, if we make it our lifetime goal, the, it, it becomes a little more possible than it could possibly happen. Yeah, we're willing to devote the rest of our lives to try to fuck John Cusack. And that's just, it's something we're going to podcast about forever. Yeah, it's our new series. It's not a mini series. It will be weekly until it happens, okay? <laughs> And then there'll be three episodes afterwards wrapping it up, talking about it. <laughs> talking about his technique, his movements, kissing style, all that his kind of stuff. His eyes, staring yeah. into them in person. What do yeah. they conjure up within you? <laughs> Is it feelings of excitement, fear, or fear. perhaps deepest existentialism that's ever happened? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, we talked a fair bit about it with Ioni, the... Um, how, I mean, this idea of, uh, like, lead characters who don't belong to a clique. Mm. That's something that I just fucking loved and I related to as an Australian because we don't necessarily have, you know, the jocks, the dweebs, yeah. the burnouts. Like, we don't really have those groups in our high schools because I guess they're a bit smaller over here. Mm. So there's, like, within your own group... You can all you can all be different types of people at school. You can be like three of you smoke pot and the rest don't. Some mm-hmm. of you are into metal. Some of you are into pop music. Four guys play soccer. Two guys do drama. Like there's just a, <laughs> it's a mishmash. Of I love that people. the mathematics of this of this <laughs> equation you put it together. Okay, we got four guys smoking pot over here. Two guys are playing soccer. One of those guys loves to play FIFA on the computer. The other one hates video games. That's you're summing up my group in high school. Yeah, is this all? This one loves choir. This one fucked a pie. This one, <laughs> this one's got a girlfriend. And this one is quite sophisticated and smokes mocha. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of what say anything brought to the cinema. I think, and I loved mm. it. I mean, I kept saying how much I loved the idea that. Cusack's character is like a kickboxing aficionado, but he's also into like Elvis Costello and he's yeah. also a dork. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good to me that it's like all these different things happening. And she's the hot chick, but she's also the nerd. What? How can that even be? How can that even be? I love that movie. I loved it. It's one of the rare examples in this miniseries where we have a teen film that both has a story set in the teen world and then the way that it intersects with a very adult world with like John Mahoney's character mm. going through like this criminal like investigation. It's really interesting and I think it ha- it like really captures that feeling of like that crossing the precipice of like having to fully take responsibilities like an adult would and understand this world that is like new to you and it does it in a way that is really charming it's really funny it's really elegant and I just think it is like dude this movie's the bee's knees it's like one of the best teen films of all time if not it would be one I'd be comfortable saying is the best teen film of all time well, you heard it here first, folks. It's the bee's knees. Some films <laughs> are merely the bee's shins. This is the first film I've ever seen that finally reached up to the knee. Yeah, yeah. We've watched a few films that are the bee's ankles, that's for sure. But to make it all the way up to the knee, how exciting. <laughs> I can't wait to finally see a film that goes up to the bee's thighs. <laughs> Well, for me, the next film maybe goes up to the thighs, but for you, I believe, it maybe only goes up to the toes or the toenail at best. No, the next film for me, it goes all the way up the bee's legs, turns around, and then reaches the bee's ass, and then just hangs around the <laughs> asshole for a bit. 
Well, that's where the stinger is, the most enticing part of the bee. What film is next, Alexi? The movie is Twilight. This was one of my favourite episodes we've ever recorded. Mm -hmm. It was so funny. I love talking to Naomi and Harm. We got a lot of chuckles. But if I never see this film again, it will be too soon, my friend. I would say this is one of my favourites, and I loved recording this episode, mainly because I found out that I was crush of the year in the girls' group chat. Yes, yes. And I think I've been living with that energy ever since then. And, you know, uh, we didn't, we kind of brushed over it in the episode, but um, I actually knew that fact well in advance of you finding out about it, and I chose not to tell you. <laughs> you hid it from me. Yeah, because um, I think... I guess I was worried about your mm. ego, for one. Yeah. That's the main reason. I wasn't jealous or anything. I was mainly worried about your ego. I think that jealousy would have been a little no, part of it. No, 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 no. I think no, that no, there no. would have been a little jealousy What are you talking because about? Because you're quite the stud muffin, Cameron. I'm not jealous. I'm not... And you want to be considered the crush but of many a group chat. I don't, I don't think that even crosses my mind. Me, I just live my life... One flick at a time. I don't consider being a crush mm. to anybody. And I believe that you deserve to be crush of the year. I'm proud oh of you. I'm God. happy for you. But I just don't want it to go to your head. You know what I mean? I uh, That really means a lot to hear you say that, that you hope that I'm the crush of the year. And it means even more to me that they believe that I am. So, you know, <laughs> I actually couldn't give a flying frick about your opinion in this. Ah, oh, good lord. I am a hero. I'm a hunk. I'm a spunk. And guess what? I'm proud to be a chunk. To me, you're the prettiest girl this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you love Twilight. Um, I think it's fun. I think it's silly. But I also get so angry watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's powerful emotions. <laughs> Cinema conjures them up in you. <laughs> uh, next up, we talked to Ben Lee about Rage in Placid Lake. That was also a lot of fun. So much fun revisiting that film. And yeah. you know what? It's the only uh, the only Australian film that we talked about. I know, it's kind of a shame, right? But I think like during this miniseries, we made a choice mm. that was focus on american films yeah. i think that it kind of like it, like we just we had so many films like in our uh, like the realm of what we want to discuss on this podcast but i think early on around the time of like our third movie we decided to just like keep it american because american culture is so dominant when it comes to pop culture worldwide and the idea of what a teenager is as even a social construct is such like an American creation, like this mm. post-World War II American creation where we see like teen culture like actually begin to exist yeah. with baby boomers after World War II where they now have like, you know, they have a life ahead of them instead of just being sent straight to war. And I think that's when we get, like, what the idea of a teenager is. It comes from America. So I think with, like, our initial discussions of, like, what teens are through popular culture, it just kind of felt like a no-brainer to limit it that way, to get to, like, a broader and more universal idea. Agreed, agreed. But we couldn't not talk to Ben. We had access yeah. to Ben Lee, so we had to go for it. And that's a movie that for both of us meant quite a lot when we were younger. Like that, that was such a cool film. And it was great to revisit as well because it has one of our heroes, Gary McDonald, in it playing yeah. Ben's dad. Yeah, it totally rocked on the rewatch. I loved it. I'm so glad I rewatched it. Next up, we had an all time classic, one of the movies that we talk about the most in our private and public lives American Pie. <laughs> What can we say, dude? We've we covered it all. We covered the whole pie. I think the only thing we didn't talk about enough was maybe the music, but we covered that so much when we talk about like the idea of teen films having a soundtrack that's a mixtape that captures what the teens are listening to contemporaneously at that time. Yeah, I I think you know what the first film I, I quite like the soundtrack to it. The sequel I had the soundtrack on CD. Mm. You got a bit of some forty-one in there, you know. Of course, you've got James Laid, which yeah. has become synonymous with this film because it's a, a song about sex. And it's interesting. Let's spend a second talking about that song because that song is in the trailer for the first film. Yeah, and it becomes iconic 
and iconically associated with American Pie because of that trailer. And it's not even in the first film. Yep. But then it becomes kind of like the emotional soundtrack as that series progresses. Like yeah. it's, I think it's the last song when we cut to the credits in American <laughs> Reunion is laid by James. Yeah, and it's, it's the... It's great. It's like the mascot of the series. Just this song written by a pervert about um, fucking his neighbor's wife or something like that. <laughs> and um, I used to cover it when I played in covers bands back in the day or covers acoustic duos. Wow. And you'd be amazed how many people around Australia just fucking love that song. Even if they don't know what it's called. Wow. Or any of the lyrics. All they know is the like main chorusy bit where he sings really high. And everyone yeah. everyone fucking loves it. it, it I ro- can imagine it you going Yeah, dude. Of course. Oh, can you do one of them for me, please? please no, please. I cannot do it because I will only sing if I'm getting paid. That's something that I... <laughs> <laughs> James goes on about laid I'm going on about paid Okay brother <laughs> I don't work for free <laughs> Professional singer Not by pure choice Cameron James <laughs> I was very excited About Clueless Because um, I think it had been A long time since I'd rewatched it mm. And In my head I think I'd put it In the same sort of Category as like that Like Camp 90s cinema like Romy Michelle's High School Reunion or something mm-hmm. like that, which is enjoyable, but I don't fully connect to it yeah. because I guess I just I wasn't around at the time. So the cultural touchstones are a bit lost on me. But mm. I mean, I was fucking amazed at how funny Clueless was and how oh relatable it was. It's so funny. It might be the funniest comedy that we did in this miniseries. It was absolutely revelatory rewatch for me. It had been so long since I'd seen it. And I think it's probably the film that made me understand that idea of heightened tone the, that we're speaking about so much mm. in relation to teen films. Like, it is like that genius no-brainer idea from Heckling to just be like, yeah, it's going to be an adaptation of a classic novel. And that's how the stakes are going to be built really high. So good. And like, a, obviously a game changer, which we already talked about in that for the next few years, it seemed like every teen movie that came out mm-hmm. was a an adaptation of an old book or some shit. Yeah. Or some Shakespearean play. <laughs> yeah. Like get, Even movies like Get Over It that people don't remember. It's like, mm. yeah, that's Midsummer Night's Dream, okay? But we got Cisco in as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually a movie King. that Angus Truscott gave me on a pre-owned DVD that I watched. I was like, yeah, this movie is awesome. Oh, my God. Uh, and we also had Conchetta Caristo and Lauren Bonner on that podcast, mm, who I, I do want to say, once again, please listen to their podcast, Big Natural Talents. They're so funny. And it was so... I mean, we got that iconic Conchetta story out of that episode. So it's it's an all-timer. An all-timer. Yeah, I barely left my house. I don't go out the back door anymore because I'm worried <laughs> that I'll see that person. <laughs> I don't, if I ever see a bald guy walking around my neighborhood, I just go, well, you know, just... Cover my face, cover my eyes. Sorry about my friend. <laughs> Alexi, up next. Oh, gosh. We had a film that began life as a punchline on this podcast oh, and ended as a knockout. Yeah. This film changed your life. This film yeah. changed your alternate lives. <laughs> the film is, of course, Donald Darko. Oh, fucking hell, bros. I don't know what to say. I think I've I've, I've said... I don't know if I've got any more left to say about Donnie Darko mm. because really, I do think it might be one of my favorite films. I have watched it once since we've recorded for pure pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> just pure pleasure. I was just like, well, nothing delivers me exactly what I want in this world like Donnie Darko does. There's no alternatives. There's not like, oh, this movie's kind of like it. I've even come close to watching S. Darko for that reason. Because I'm just like, <laughs> I just need that little fix, but I don't want it to be always exactly the same. Yeah. And I got to say, maybe there's one little retcon that I would like to make on that episode. Okay. Is we did give an award out. We gave an Oscar, as they're named after Oscar Wilde, Olivia yeah. Wilde's grandpa or some shit, um, <laughs> they, to the best DVD feature. And it's like, it's... And its legacy when it comes to DVD culture. We gave it to a special feature that was uh, a Darko mentor about the number one fan. It's great, but exploring the discs further in the coming days after that podcast, 
Um, there is another special feature that I believe needs to be shouted out. Okay. Uh, there is, on disc two, the director's cut, <laughs> there is an audio commentary for that cut of the film that features director Richard Kelly of that film mm-hmm. in conversation with one of the most iconic filmmakers of all time. I'm, of course, speaking of the rotund auteurist, Mr. Kevin Smith. <laughs> to me, that is DVD culture. Oh, wow. The jester in jorts himself. <laughs> I just thought of that. That's the raw nerved raconteur himself, Mr. <laughs> Kevin Smith. What do they talk about? Oh, probably weed and the movie and shit, I guess. <laughs> Maybe Star Wars. Yeah, I, I reckon it's safe to say Star Wars comes up at some point. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's fun. I should I should listen to that. It's a commentary that offers both things that are necessary to find humor and love in this world, which are Snoochie and Bucci. That's true. Now, what do you think Bucci is? Because is in my head, Bucci is weed. Yes. And Snoochie is sex. Yeah, yeah think so i actually think that's it i've never thought about it before and there's no way i could come up with anything other than those two options now sex and weed that should be our catchphrase yeah sex and weed baby sex and weed things that neither of us do very cool very cool well let's move on from donnie darko because i don't want you to get emotional again yeah, Move I might on. get trapped in the tangent universe if we keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, this was one of my absolute favorite rewatches. Mm. I was stoked to do it. Boys in the Hood from 1991, the 30th anniversary rewatch. I mean, it's just, I don't even have anything new to say about it, but I just yeah. want to say one more time, once and for all, on the record, this movie's freaking cool. All I want to say is increase the peace. Yeah. It's one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. And God, if you haven't rewatched it, I do think that it might still be playing in a couple of cinemas around Australia at the moment for the 30th anniversary and perhaps overseas as well as cinemas open up more around the globe. And I really do hope to get to see this on the big screen because it's just like, it's one of the movies that means the most to me that I've ever seen. Yeah, fucking rocks. Moving on now to Superbad with Ben Russell, which mm-hmm. was a fucking joy, of course, to chat to. Please watch Absolutely. Hug the Sun. So much fun. Absolutely. Check that out. It's a great series. A few episodes have come out already, and it's fantastic. Superbad, it's, I think, oh, man, that's a tough thing about doing a miniseries like this. <laughs> We've covered a lot of movies that either meant a lot to me growing <laughs> yeah, up, yeah. have left an, like a, a really powerful mark on who I am, my identity, and my future. But even the ones that are like rediscoveries are like, you know, wow, they mean a lot to me. But super bad, I cannot understate that I don't think I would be even doing a podcast today Mm. if it weren't for that movie coming out and teaching me that funny is cool and funny can equal a tiny bit of money one day. Funny can equal money, honey. Oh, okay. Beautiful. I like to come up with catchphrases and that's just one of my little skills in life. Yeah, you're really good at good at it, such as the, the jester in jorts coming up with it immediately. The jester in jorts, sex and weed. Yeah. Funny can equal money, honey. Yeah, okay. It, it sounds like it's going to continue on. You'll say like 20 other things that rhyme with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even... I have nothing more to say other than this was one of my favorite films of all time and still remains one of my favorite films of all time. And uh, I, you know, I dare say it's even funnier than Wedding Crushes. That's how. That's how wow. I, seriously, I take it. Yeah. Ba da ba McLovin it. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. You're not bad at this shit either. And we close things out on the podcast, mm. talking about very much a spiritual successor to Superbad. Mm. We talked about Olivia Wilde's book Smart, which I think. I, how do you feel about that movie now? Oh, I, I, still, I still think it's really fucking good. I think it's cool. Um, it's Especially since we talked about it, I've been thinking about it a little bit more. And I think the one thing that I, I maybe didn't praise it enough for is that it's a movie that makes being smart cool. 
yeah. which I think is important. It's an important yes. lesson for the teens out there that you can still be funny and cool and have long hair and smoke weed or give hand yeah. jobs and be intelligent at the same time and get into an Ivy League school. That's an important or message. Even go to Google and hook up with your cool teacher. Yes, I think it's important to tell the kids, you know what? Caring about school is is okay. You're allowed to exactly. be good at it. I agree. Kids, if you're listening to this podcast, stay in school, but also still smoke weed, dude. Yeah. Stay in school, smoke weed, and start podcasts. They're the yeah. three bits of advice I would give to you. And have sex, okay? Australia Obviously. has a declining population at the moment. Mm. The mm. youth are not getting laid enough. So please, get out there and get it on. <laughs> So we covered like a pretty broad spectrum of movies on this podcast, yeah. but we couldn't let it go forever. Like we said, you can't be a screenager forever as much as we can try. We have to move on. But there were so many movies that were so close to like getting onto this mini series, or maybe we're saving them for something else. But uh, especially from all around the world, what yeah. were some of the ones that you wish you could have chucked into this mini series? We kept getting uh, requests all the way through this, and there was mm -hmm. a, a, a very common one that came up again and again and again was the movie Scream by Wes Craven. Yeah. Now, we talked about it. We just we thought, should we do Scream? It is a favorite of ours. It is an iconic mm -hmm. teen film. But then we realized, you know what? There's a whole genre of teen slashes yeah. and teen horror films that maybe deserve their own miniseries. Yeah. So I think that we should save all of them for a, a next mini, not maybe not the next miniseries, but sometime in future, we'll do a Scream Ages miniseries. Absolutely. Because it's something that I would rather go into and fully dissect and like get really sticky with it there. And also, I've seen Scream so many times in my life, I was worried that, like, right now, would I have anything more to say about it? I know what you mean. I, I think I watched it as recently as, like, three months ago. And mm. I'm like, yeah, it's one of those things that I can put on, like, a, like a favorite album. I know every word yeah. to it. I know every line reading. I need a little bit of distance before I go back to it, maybe. Yeah. One of the other movies that I got weirdly... A lot of requests, because it was one that I was not familiar with at all. Hmm. But i got to say shout-outs to the Total Reboot Rats all the way in Sweden, because this movie got requested of me almost as much as Superbad in people reaching out to me saying, had I heard of this movie, should I, ch I should check it out. It's a Swedish movie by Lucas Moodyson called Fucking Amal, or Show hmm. Me Love, hmm. which is like a young... A t queer love story between two girls that live in this tiny, insignificant town in Sweden called Amal. Hmm. And uh, it is so freaking good. It's kind of like that turn of the millennium vibe. And it is so immersive and so emotional. And they kind of like these people that sent it to me that kept on requesting it. None of them are connected. They come from all over the world, but they've all spent time in Sweden and or lived in Sweden or Swedish people themselves. I couldn't believe how many times people requested this movie. So I wanted to give it a big shout out because I think it is a knockout. It is brilliant. And someone even said that it's kind of like Sweden's equivalent of Looking for Alla Brandi, which is my favorite film of all time, which is a teen film that we didn't put into the miniseries that I probably will regret forever, but is maybe another reason why we should do another Screen Ages miniseries further down the line. I absolutely agree. I think next time we do Screen Ages, and you know what? Let's call it Screen Ages 2. I yes. think I think we should... Um, we should do films from all around the world, Australia, mm. Sweden. You know, it, people should send in requests now and say, here's what I want you to cover. And the next time, let's broaden it from America. Let's go all around the globe with this teen shit. Yeah. Let's watch teens try to fuck other teens from all around the globe. Absolutely. <laughs> Some of my favorite ones from like international that we didn't cover would be stuff like Battle Royale. I would love to chuck into a miniseries one day. That's fun. That just to do completely mix it up. Maybe that could even be in Scream Ages. But That's true. also from the UK, there's a movie called Fish Tank by Andrea Arnold, which was like one of those kind of as soon as it came out was one that really stuck with me 
And it's one that I feel like I've talked about in almost every film course I've ever done with Michael Fassbender in it as well. Mm. And uh, man, that is a real treasure. And I kind of also wish that we had something from the 70s because like, you know, I would have loved to have done some boomer shit from the 70s on this miniseries, like Breaking Away or Carrie, American Mm. Graffiti, or even a movie that I think that I've got a feeling you love a lot, The Last Picture Show. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that would be great. There's a lot of really cool stuff from around them that kind of set the tone for what would come later. You know, Mm. pre-the 80s raunch boom, you had some really wholesome, nice teen cinema out there that would be really nice to watch. Yeah, and I think as well, for us, maybe because we covered it so much in Days and Confused, it was hard to go back and just go like, oh, yeah, breaking away, let's cover that. But yeah, yeah. The ones, I'm so happy with like the kind of canon that we picked for this miniseries. Me too, and I'm looking forward to doing the sequel later on in the year. Um, should we announce what our next miniseries is going to be? Oh, I think that we should, because it's one that we're excited about. Mm. It's one that kind of like plagues our conversations a lot when you and I privately talk about film. Yeah. And, and we do talk privately about film. Very absolutely. privately. We drive very to probably. a discreet location. <laughs> yes. We, we turn our mobile phones okay. off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mobile phones off. Windows up. We yep. hot box the car with yep. the steamy, stimulating discussion on <laughs> cinema. And we're staying home for this miniseries. That's right. That's right. It we are staying home. Is an Australian film based miniseries. Cameron, do you want to announce the title? Well, yeah. And I think the reason we wanted to do it, first of all, is because we talk a fair bit about Australian cinema on this pod and in our Patreon group, the mm-hmm. Cinephile Registry. And I think it's important to introduce Australian cinema to our overseas listeners. Mm-hmm. And what better place to start than by Australian genre cinema, particularly the crime and action and thriller genre. So we've decided to pick for our next mini series. we're calling it Australian Psycho. And what is it about? Well, this is something that you and I are both fascinated in, that Australian culture has like this reverence for mainly male psychos Mm. like people that have become folklore in this country that are bad blokes dirty grubs and criminals at large like there's something in australian culture that reveres these dangerous people Mm. stuff like ned kelly obviously chopper reed Mm. uh serial killers and stuff like like the danger of these men mainly men in this country gangland hitmen yeah i think australia culture popular culture and culture and artistic culture has a fascination in portraying these people and kind of like grappling with them at the same time as perhaps celebrating them Big time, big time celebrating them. It might even be a problem that we have in our country, that we're a bit obsessed with psychopaths. Absolutely. (laughs) That's why I want to do it on the podcast. It's just kind of like, it's something that we've been talking about for so long is like this idea of how it comes through in cinema, how it comes through in like art and literature in this country putting together a miniseries based on Australian psychos, like the famous iconic psychos in cinema and weird, crazy films. So it's going to be quite a diverse array of films yeah. when it comes to genres, feelings and tones. But it's one that we're very, very excited for because it feels like it's been a long time coming for us. It definitely does. So I don't think we'll name all the films that we're going to do yet, but if you're mm-hmm. keen to get a head start on the genre or if you're interested in it, you know, films like Mad Max, Animal Kingdom, Chopper, mm-hmm. these sort of things are going to come up, I'd imagine. Absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, so if you're into that kind of shit, if you're into, like, action, if you're into, I don't know, dark dramas, if you're into crime, this mm. will be a really good one for you. Absolutely. And it'll be cool to expose yourself to some Australian cinema if that's not your everyday occurrence. For us, we love Australian cinema. We celebrate it. And I think this miniseries is going to be both a celebration and a bit of a dissection of like (laughs) what Australian cinema is and what its message to the world even is. Yeah, 100%. Man, that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And the first one we're going to be talking about in this miniseries is a breakthrough classic modern day hit from Australian cinema, which is David Michaud's 
Animal Kingdom, starring the iconic Jackie Weaver and the intimidating Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, God. So good. Guys, thank you so much for coming along on this Screen Ages journey with us. It's been so much fun revisiting these films and chatting with you all online about them. I'm looking forward to the sequel later on in the year, and I'm really looking forward to this goddamn Australian Psycho series. I think it's going to be so much fun. Me too, dude. It's been so much fun. I love Screen Ages. Even though we're graduating today, I think I will be a Screen Ager forever. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to Tim Ben Goff, who has done the new art for the podcast that will either be coming out with this episode or attached to the next episode. It's really cool. Tim did such a sick job of like incorporating what this podcast actually feels like now and putting into some really wackadoo art. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tim. You fucking rock, Tim. <laughs> you fucking rock, Tim. You rock. And my advice to you is have sex and smoke weed. Absolutely. Everyone, check out Tim Ben Goff. I'll put a link to his Instagram and stuff in the show notes for this episode. So click on through. I just want to say before we go and before I plug our Instagrams and Twitters, which are, of course, <laughs> at I am Cameron James for me and at This is Alexi for you. And before I plug the Patreon, which is yeah. $5 a month and which you can go to patreon.com slash total reboot for additional content from, I just want to say before I say any of those things, yeah, that this has been one of the most important times of my life and I'm going to miss it and I'm going to miss talking about Screen Ages with you. As we podcast, we remember all the films we discussed together. And as my mind changed about Donnie Darko, (laughs) I now consider it to be the best film ever. <laughs> la 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 la. Wow, a beautiful song by Vitamin A over there. And uh, what a dream come true to do this podcast with you. Oh, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, me too. It's a long time coming. <laughs> <laughs>